Hey, I'm Jamie. I'm here with Rob Paddock. He is an entrepreneur, inspiring leader, triathlete, Ironman. Hi, Rob. Nice to have you here. Nice to be with you, Jamie. Yeah, I know Rob from back in the day when I was at Get Smarter. Rob was one of the co-founders there at Get Smarter. And they built it up to be a really awesome business, not only cool to work at, the, um, but also a very valuable business. They ended up selling the business for $100 million. And now Rob is working on some new stuff. Uh, it's good to see him again. It's been a while. Rob, how's the, how's the new venture going? How's the new life going? It's cool, eh? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. After selling a business, um, I guess popular culture would tell you that, that you've achieved the dream, right? You've yes. sold a business, you've got some cash in the bank, you can kind of, your opportunity set expands and so on. And now you can sit on the beach and you can chill yes. and that'll be great. And I think the reality is that is, is quite far from that. Um, whilst, so basically after selling Get Smarter, I continued to work there for about another six months. Mm. Um, and then took some very much needed time off. I think just kind of working very hard, the process of being acquired, spending a lot of time traveling for many years. It's just, it's, it's tough, you know? Yeah. Um, and often it's to the detriment or to the sacrifice of other areas in your life that you really care about. And for me, that includes like my wife, my dogs, my family, friends, etc. Like those, a lot of those things took a back seats. Mm. Um, and I think this is probably some of the dark side of entrepreneurship is just what it takes, the, the personal toll that it can take to, to achieve. Yeah, it's, the, it's like the sacrifice that you have to make. Yeah. But it, it's, it, a lot of people speak about how do you balance and keep balance in your life. But recently I heard about how like it's some, that's not actually, that might not be possible. Mm. Like you're either achieving or savoring life. Yeah. And how do you, how do you balance those yeah. two? And I don't know if it is possible. And I think, well, certainly I can tell you in the last experience, I didn't. Right. And so I took some really good time off afterwards. I mean, kind of uh, two, three months of just like really chilling. I would just, my only plan was wake up, walk on the mountain and see where I go from there, you know, amazing. Um, which was amazing. I also, <laughs> I also put myself into some deep therapy, which was really, really powerful. Awesome. Um, I can recommend for anyone just the process of having a trained professional who can help you navigate the dark avenues of your mind and the expanses of your future potential. Like it's so powerful, man. Like we're, we're perfectly happy to go get a, a personal trainer for the gym for our physical being. Mm. And yet we have this cultural aversion to help having someone help us out psychologically. Yes. And I just can't recommend it enough. I think it's so powerful. Awesome. Um, so really, and, and I'm continued to be in therapy today. I was going like to ask once yeah. a week. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I won't, I won't let that slide again. I mean, awesome. I, it was very intensive for a while, kind of two, three times a week. Mm. Um, and now once a week and I just feel like it gives you a foundation on which you can springboard into the rest of the world it's, nice. it's incredible um, so yeah then just a lot of time with family and friends and that was really really good um, and then I started kind of launching myself into you start to get this hunger to like to do something you know to make something of yourself mm. uh, and yet I didn't feel ready to start another business or whatever the case may be so then I just started exercising like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> honestly yeah. like just like so much exercise i did a bunch of ironmans um and that's awesome but i think the and, and it's not to say that that's not an can't be an important part of someone's life yeah. and that especially if you're a professional i mean it's it's unbelievable what those guys and girls achieve but for me i think what i realized is that in my non-professional kind of training really hard and achieving moderately in that game 
it's a very selfish endeavor. Like no right. one else benefits from that. There's not a single <laughs> honesty. Like, and I mean, besides some, maybe like second effects where you're feeling pumped about yourself and you maybe put yourself out there and for other people. Yeah. Sometimes I think that that can be helpful as like a call to adventure right. for other people. And that's fine. But oh, right, like, yeah. I mean, I tend to be reasonably private with that sort of stuff on social media and whatever. So that I don't think I was even achieving that quite frankly. Right. Um, well, I was made more saying from like an internal, like you're internally yes. pumped. So then yeah. you put that out there. Totally, yeah. totally. Just to the people you interact with. I think that's yeah. a good point. And yeah. again, this is not, these things are not black and white, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for me personally, I got to the point where I was like, geez, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into this and actually no one else besides me is benefiting. Right. And yet I've got resources and some fairly unique experience in growing an ed tech business and so on. And like, here we are on the tip of Africa with an education crisis. Mm. Like what, what, what am I doing? Yes, <laughs> like, seriously, yes, what am I yes. doing? <laughs> Um, so there's a healthy was a, pressure that came from inside you. Yeah, I think so. There's a there's a need to contribute, and mm. you know, I, I can't I can't pretend to say what other people's north star should be or where they should get their sense of purpose um, and passion and so on. But for me, it's very very strongly along the lines of making a positive impact in the in the society and culture that that I find myself in. Mm. Um, and I think that education is just an incredible tool to do that. And having spent a lot of time. Uh, figuring out a mode of education that can scale high quality effectively, I realized like it's it's not okay actually just to to leave that be. I really want mm. to see what I can if I can apply myself to other areas. What 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 could be done? Um, so initially looked very closely at teacher education. That's something that's been a passion of mine oh. for a long time. I just I believe very strongly in the amplification effect of teachers. Yeah, like you you get. You get high quality teachers in a classroom, they can achieve incredible results in spite of their socioeconomic circumstances Mm. all around them. Mm. And yet the quality of teacher education by and large in South Africa is not nearly where it could or should be. Right. Um, I won't bore you with a very long story around that, but I looked very closely into this. I got very close to the teacher education space and just realized that right now where I'm at with um, resources, political connections, et cetera, this was not a play for me. Gotcha. It's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly politicized mm. um, industry. And I think, unfortunately, that's much the detriment of the, of the space overall. So then I thought to myself, well, why don't I actually just go to the source? Why don't I actually just start my own school? And yeah. just do do it that way. Well, it's like yeah, um, you're cutting out the middleman. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, at, le- at least having the opportunity then to employ and upskill your own teachers and your own system right. and so on, which is yeah. Which, uh, so I still we still think and and uh, um, are paying a lot of attention to that. It's just now within our own ambit yes. as opposed to making it available for everyone. But that that that'll come in the yes. future. Well, um, you can uh, I guess you can start open sourcing in a sense your totally, methods and whatnot. Totally. Yeah. So then. Um, the idea of a entirely online high school came to be, and I really believe in the in the um, in the opportunity that is social entrepreneurship, mm. where you are a for profit business, but as your bottom line, you have people and profit and impact all being viewed very very equally. Um, and I think one of the things that we realized in the last business, Get Smarter, where we've now educated over 100,000 students from 150 countries around the world and achieved a 92% graduation rate, you can build a business from Cape Town, South Africa, that can be servicing students around the world, and you can keep your cost base in rands, and mm-hmm. you can keep the majority of your earnings coming in in hard currencies, dollars, pounds, etc. And genuinely a win-win for everyone. Genuinely a win-win yeah. for everyone. I mean, the the quality of person of personnel in Cape Town, I just compl- continue to be staggered by. Mm. I mean, it's really, really high quality, and yet 
as a relative cost base, it's far lower than anywhere else. So anyway, part of the thinking was, well, if I can start a business where we are servicing students across the globe who are paying these hard currencies and we can keep our cost base in South Africa, that gives the opportunity to create a hyper-profitable business mm. that can then be plowed back into extensive scholarships for South Africans yes. who otherwise could never have had the opportunity to start study at a top top-notch and, yes. and highly ranked institution. Man, I love I love the idea. It's like make profit and then do stuff with that profit. It, totally. Yeah. Got to do it. Got to do it. And I, I mean, I'm happy to get into some of what we're doing already in that regard. Yeah, totally. Um, but the idea behind Valencia Institute is that it's entirely online high school, uh, but we refer to our environment as a socially rich learning environment. So students... Uh, it's not a start anytime, finish anytime, work at your own sort of pace. Mm. Students co- start as a cohesive student cohort. Um, they started at, our first cohort actually started in January. Congrats. Those, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been great fun. Yeah. Um, those students are put into small classrooms for every single subject that they take. So somewhere between 15 and 25 students per class. Very strong emphasis on live classroom sessions. Okay. So imagine nice. a Skype-like environment, but yeah. built specifically for education, where you are interacting in real time with your teacher, yeah. where you're interacting in real time with your fellow students. And the degree to which friendships are being formed, the degree to which there is cl- rich collaboration and engagement, it's just so encouraging, Jamie. Really, mm. it's it's so cool to see. In addition to that, students Which are Which is quite a contrast to your typical homeschooling totally. thing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of homeschooling is defined by either mom or dad having to stay at home. Yes. Because the service from the institution that you're studying with is to send you a bunch of textbooks, which you work through at your own pace, and then they provide examination blocks, which you can choose to attend or not. Right. But really, the, the kind of tutorial academic support function is passed on to the parents. Mm. And what we see so often in that is that, in fact, they're not best suited for that. It's a, yeah. it's a highly skilled job. It's not their thing. Totally. And quite frankly, they want to be at work doing what they can uniquely contribute. Um, So there's this increasing need for people who want the flexibility of a homeschooling type environment, but they Mm -hmm. want the academic rigor and support that comes from engaging with highly qualified teachers. And I suppose, yeah, what are are the parents of the future? The parents of the future are probably more mobile, flexible parents. So what are the kids going to do for school? Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is one of the the target markets or demographics that we've seen so so consistently now. Parents who are about to move overseas, parents who are part of multinational corporations, they've now been moving consistently every year and a half for the last five years. Wow. And they're just like, I can't keep ripping my kid in and out of schools. It's yeah. not fair. They need continuity. Um, and what's amazing about the Valencia Institute and what we're, what we're providing there is it, it gives that continuity where students, again, they're in these small classrooms. They are taking multiple subjects. Um, real strong friendships are being formed. And in addition to the academic curricula, students have virtual clubs. Uh, they are yes. localized meetups for these students. We link out into a network of sports facilities, arts and culture clubs, etc. Like we're making sure that these aren't just kids sitting in a dark room, plugging away at the computer. Yeah. You know, we want to provide all the flexibility that online can, but we really want to make these active um, social members of society. Yes. And Oh man, I love that. It's like, what would be the best experience like let's make that totally <laughs> totally so cool. and we can do it you yeah know? like and i think what's amazing about not starting with the 
with the confines or the construct of a traditional school environment is you can really think about this thing from the bottom up. Mm. Um, so that's been really cool. And uh, again, this our first cohort is now starting. We've got students from South Africa, Australia, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, Belgium, Malta, UK, US. Yes. I mean, it's been really wonderful to see the, the adoption. I think part of the reason for the adoption has also been that we've integrated in uh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals into the core academic curriculum, mm. which, at least for me, when I reflect on my own schooling, you're so often learning about concepts completely devoid of the context in which they might be applied at some point. And that's a hell of a thing. Like, yeah. you, you get out of school and you realize learning's always in response to some sort of challenge. Yeah. Something that you care about, that you want to engage with, that you need to overcome, etc. So you go through the hard work of learning the skills and the capabilities you need to overcome that challenge. Like, yes. that's how it works in the real world. Yes. And yet at school, we somehow think that it's fine that you will sit down absorb a whole bunch of knowledge regurgitated under exam conditions and that's the game yeah and it's like no just yeah. wrong just low resolution thinking this yeah. is no this is no longer information is no longer scarce yeah and really how are we moving our experience of education from the absorption of knowledge to the ability to collaborate effectively with those around us to apply that knowledge to problem-based situations and actually overcome those challenges yes. and for us the sdgs provide a wonderful framework for providing for for those challenges and yeah, these are like identified problems and target areas totally like what can we where can we go find knowledge to apply to the target areas exactly That's exactly cool. and flipping that on its head which has been great fun the the adoption from students thus far has been incredible because yeah. they, they care about the future they're inheriting this world and honestly man they're not happy yeah <laughs> they're not happy with the state of it i mean greta thunberg and others the yes. climate strikes around the world i think are one indicator of this yes um yeah, so that's, a, I guess that stuff's like a manifestation of what's happening. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, so yeah, man. So that's been that's been really cool, and yeah, uh, it's awesome. been great to build a team again from the ground up. It's yes. been great to to because I think what ends up happening at a certain point in your business journey is that the business takes on a momentum and a culture of its own, which increasingly becomes hard to change mm. or harder to change. Mm. Um, and what's been wonderful, having had the experience of growing a business once, is you can look, reflect on that and say, what worked and what didn't work and what, how do I want to recreate this from the ground up? Um, and that's been really and that's fun. That's been that, fun for you? Oh, yeah. such fun. Really creative. <laughs> like, what so are the cool. sorts of people that I want to bring into the organization? What are the sort of values and expectations I want to set right up front yeah. with the team? Um, and how do we how do we dream big together, man? And on a personal note, being CEO this time round, mm. you know. So I mean, Sa my brother, yeah. and I, Sam, who shared that, um, um, who started the business, get smarter together, actually yeah. shared that title kind of backwards and forwards over the years. Okay, yeah. So gotcha. probably by the time you came in, Sam was exclusively CEO. Correct. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that, uh, like, at least at that point in the journey and what the business needed like that was absolutely in fact it was my suggestion like got you so we, you guys we, specialized at a time and that's just how it popped out completely and okay. and he's a blooming good ceo let's, right. let's be clear yeah. like he's an unbelievable human um and i think the one of the questions that we continuously asked ourselves as brothers and as co-founders was what's best for the business cool. what does the business need right now and what we found when we were co-ceos for a period of time because we kind of bounced the title backwards and forwards for the first couple of years. Then we were co-CEOs for a number of years. And we found that it just, it, it's too confusing, man. Like mm. the team needs that direct leadership. They need that sense of like that kind of North star yeah, for the whole team. It just to, simplifies it a uh, bit. Yeah. Totally, man. Um, and at the same time, we needed 
someone who could go get relationships with the world's best universities. Yes. And that's something I've done for years and could do, but it requires you to live on a plane. Yes. And living on a plane is not a good combination with being a CEO either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we, we made that choice. And I think Sam did the most incredible job of just being super respectful of my position mm. in the business and making sure that we were always very tight. And he consulted me very closely on, on issues he knew would be of importance to me. Gotcha. And I went out and did what needed to be done in terms of get landing those, those university partnerships, yes. um, which, was, which was amazing. Really, really cool. But yeah, I think the, the CEO thing for me, at least from the ground up, is not, is not entirely new territory. Yeah, okay, um, but I get that now. But yeah. it's fun to kind of mainly have learned a whole bunch of lessons from the last journey mm. um, and be able to apply those now. Mm. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. The, one, the one thing I wanted to ask you earlier was um, time zones. Mm. How do you guys manage time zones with these kids living yeah. all over the world? Because in the, in the current model, it's obvious like you're all going to the same building in the same city. Totally. Like it's all completely overlapped. And I think for me, that's always a challenge I think mm. of with this online stuff is like, the benefit of online is live anywhere, work anywhere. But the negative is that if you really want to connect with people, they probably need to be in the same time zone. Mm. Even remote work now mm. is, is such a hack when mm. some of your people in Bali, some of them on the West coast of the States, totally. some of them in Europe. And um, it's just really people waking up at different times. So mm. how do you guys do time zones mm. if you've got these live classes? Yeah. So at the moment we've kept it quite simple. I think this is, this is general advice for entrepreneurs. Like don't try to like do everything don't try to do too much too soon. Like mm. you will, you'll end up doing everything fairly badly. So what we've said is that uh, we are servicing based on South African standard time with two hours in front and two hours after. Um, oh. And that's what we're servicing for this first cohort. So our, so our live sessions, as an example, start at like 8.30 in the morning and they finish at about 3.30 okay. in the afternoon. For the students who can't come from other parts of the world which aren't aligned with that time zone, we were just very upfront with them. You're welcome yeah. to join us, this but is this, is when, this is when those sessions are happening. Yeah. In the future, we will be expanding those out. Yeah. So this is probably for them a six to 12 month situation. Yeah. Um, so really the job of work there was just to be very clear about what the implications were. Because if we start to try and build out those live sessions for every time zone we're servicing yet, it's just... It's too heavy a lift, both financially and operationally, for where we're at and the student numbers we're servicing. You don't even know what the model of the of the live sessions is yet. You're still figuring that out. And you're like, what works, what doesn't, like, it's what time is best, and like, go totally figure man. the basics out first, it's and then exactly go replicate. It. Yeah, exactly it, man. So yeah, I think over okay, time, cool. I mean, and and in the same way that we that we um, thought about it, at least towards the end of my tenure, get smarter. You end up service. Standing up, the, the truth is that you have to extend the working hours. Mm. You have to start having shift work, mm. um, and you have to have people who are managing live sessions very early in the morning by South African time, very late. And whilst that's one of the advantages we have in South Africa, is that we are pretty much situated smack bang in the middle of the world. Yeah. Um, at least in terms of time zones. So if you add on another kind of four or five hours on one side, or three, four hours on the other side, you can capture pretty much everyone at some point in the working day. Mm. Um, but I guess your your point generally around remote workers and so on is very well well taken. It's hard, man. Like there's a practical reality, which is that people have their kind of circadian rhythms and they yeah. need to sleep. And they you want to ask people to be jumping on a live call at ten o'clock at night. Like they're not going to be at the best, and then they're not going to get their a proper night's sleep because yeah. they're still buzzing straight afterwards. It's just so. impractical. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's I, a guy. A guy I spoke to. He was. I think he was working like in Bali somewhere like mm. that. He had a call with the states. He, the call was at like three a.m., four a.m. Yeah. It's just yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And like I've 
had those calls, lots of them yeah. actually. And it's it's you can do it for a little bit, but I would reflect it like it's not sustainable, man. You yeah. can't be living in that space where you're expected to be on standby at all hours in the morning. Like I, I think it's just healthy for all of us to like have different modes of engagement, different different um, seasons to our day. Mm. One season is like you put your head down, you work, it's great. Another season is like you freaking like at home with your family, with your wife, your husband, your kids, whatever it is. Um, so what's a typical day for you now? Mm. Like how are you trying to balance this? Because you just started this new business. Mm. You want to pour, I mean, you're driven. I mean, obviously you're driven, mm. ambitious. Mm. You want to put yourself in it. Mm. But you've learned about the balance, mm. whatnot. So totally. at the moment, I know this obviously could change, right? Mm. But like at the moment, what mm. is what's your typical day? What gets you pumped? Yeah. Like what do you want? How do you want your totally. day to play out? Well, I'll, I'll I'll zoom out and then I'll zoom in again if that's okay. So yeah, zoom, zooming it. out, I've challenged myself to at the end of any given month, and I think the month a month is the right increment of analysis okay. for this. Any given month, I want to be able to see myself doing this for the next thirty years. Any given month, I want to see myself doing this for the next 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So I want to be able to say to myself at the end of any of any given month, the rate I'm going at is sustainable for 30 years. Okay. I'm sufficiently engaged. I've got sufficient downtime. I'm still getting time for my family, for sport, whatever the case may be. Yes. And I can see myself doing this for 30 years. And over the, and the, on a month time. On so a month Because a lot basis. of people do week. And I think that's I think that's it's I too think small. that's it's too small because okay. you will have weeks yes. that are just huge. Yes. you I mean like the the week of launching a new product is like of course you're going to be working to all hours every night like of course you are like that's just guaranteed right and Um, that's fine that's actually nice of course you're going to have those ups and downs and you expect those to happen but a month for me feels like the appropriate level of analysis for this a day is obviously not right for me a a week is too short yeah and yet three months is too long because you've got a course correct as you progress so for me a month is, is is the appropriate increment of analysis um and so that's been my kind of founding, let's call it, uh, directionally how I want to how I want to mm. see the, this work. Now. Yeah, your framework from the top. It, it yeah. Completely. Then, typically, my day, and I'll speak speak to this week. I so we have a um, a remote first policy at Valencia. Okay. So nice. the thinking is that we have physical office space. It's not enough to sit every to seat every single person at a dedicated desk and so on. It's co working space. Um, we have it basically um, broken up between two co-working spaces, which are in gardens in Cape Town. Um, and the idea there is that there is a space for people to come and work if they want. Mm. But the expectation is that all of your work can be done remotely. Nice. And what's been wonderful about that is that it gives quite a lot of flexibility, both for myself. I was also just thinking, like, what do I want? Yeah, like, I don't totally. like sitting in the office all day. Like, yeah. I don't. I know that I can do better by jumping around, moving around, changing mm. my space, um, going and getting some fresh air. And if I fancy a quick dip in the ocean at 2.30 in the afternoon and then I jump back and I work from home for a bit, like yeah. you just, I think what, what ends up happening, in fact, even even last week, I was shattered on a Thursday. I just, I hadn't slept particularly well the night before. I'd done a presentation till late. Like, mm. you know, it's just like shattered. Yeah. And I went home and I, and I was, sorry, I was at the office for the morning because I had a couple of meetings. Then I was working from home. I was like, I need a nap. And like it feels so weird to nap during the day, for, at yeah. least for me. Yeah. And yet I had a nap. It freaking jazzed me up. And then I carried on working. I was way more productive afterwards, you know? And I think it's the, amazing. the reality is if you try to do that sort of thing in, a, in an office environment, you can't not, you can't not feel guilty about it. You can't yes. not um, 
feel the pressure of having the eyeballs on you in the office environment. Um, so anyway, I found yeah, that so remote. You, and you've now like established, so the pressure and the eyeballs is, is a cultural thing because it's unacceptable. And, but now what you've done is you've just led up front to say this is remote first. Remote first. Yeah. And I think that the implication that's really important there is that you still, you then have to become incredibly clear on um, what constitutes success at the end of any quarter. What are your KPIs? So you have to do the very hard work every quarter then of making sure that you're very clear with yourself and your team about what's expected in that quarter. And then you start managing based on outcome as opposed to hours at the desk. At the desk. And this is not a new idea mm. by any stretch, mm. but damn it if we know this and we don't do it. You know, it's yeah. madness. We still think to ourselves, oh, but John left at like 3.30, 4 o'clock. Like, what's he doing? It's mm. like wrong way to think about mm. it, man. Like, what's the output? Have we been clear about what the expectations are, what the output, what, what does success look like? And then let's make sure that we pr- provide the right support and the right rhythms to make sure that we stay on track. And what that looks like for us is, so beginning of every quarter, very set the company strategy, the company KPIs, the individual KPIs that are expected. Cool. Then for every manager, they have a weekly meeting with every single team member in order to track the progress against those against those KPIs. Um, every single functional team, which is often cross-functional teams, have daily stand-up meetings together. These are all virtual, by the way. Awesome. Um, and people can do them in person if they happen to be in person, yep. but that's, again, everything's done so that it can be done virtually. Um, appropriate weekly team meetings, of course, mm. which, which are critical. Um, and then we have a company gathering every week as well, and that's cool. in person. Okay. So that's the nice. one time that I require people to come into the office. If they're Cape Town based, they must come into the office. We do all of our company announcements. We celebrate wins. Mm. We um, we commiserate on challenges, and we then have a l- lovely lunch together. Like awesome. great food. Everyone eats, catches up, socializes. Because that, for all the wonders of digital, that there's something still in face to face that is quite remarkably magical. Yes, definitely. Um, so make sure that we create a space for that every single week. And man, it works like a dream. So it's working well. People love nice. it. Love yeah. it. Not sitting in traffic. Like, how did we think People that sitting in it. traffic, like, yeah. in the morning and in the evening, yeah. was a good idea? Like, you want to turn someone off. It's like make them sit in traffic and be yeah. unproductive for two well, I mean, hours a day. I mean, the the joy now is that we have the tech to mm. do this remote thing, which totally. is so cool. Like, video calling is so good now. Totally, it's crazy. Totally, I um, I have even on WhatsApp. I have mm. WhatsApp video calls with friends or family or whatever it is. And it feels like you're in the room with them. Totally. It's, not, it's not exactly the same. So I'm definitely someone who's on the same page with you with like physical uh, interaction is super, super important. And I think just, yeah, you uh, like you gathering people on a Friday, if you take a look around in your per- peripheral vision, you're seeing all these people around you. It's a big group of people. That's obviously going to have like a nice effect on you. Totally. Um, whereas virtual you don't have that. It's one mm. 2D mm. screen in totally. front of you. So you don't get that. But for the most part, it's super, super good now, the video calling. So um, good. Then also like the instant messaging and the chat app. So you guys using Slack or something like that? We use Slack as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's like I mean, so awesome. I Go- mean, Google Hangouts for all, of our, for all of our video conferencing, Slack for all the messaging, I mean, it's, and yeah. then email where you need it. It's, it's, this stuff's not rocket science anymore, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I realize I've diverted from your question somewhat, which is like a typical day. Which is your day. Um, but yeah, but yeah. all of that is kind of, as kind of like context. Well, con- your day into that. Yeah, 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 totally. So I wake up, I've always woken up at like five. Um, 
I Damn. do. <laughs> I just like I actually yes. can't sleep beyond it. It's yes. just, it's just when, when when I get up and just, going. Just before you continue, mm. I was chatting to someone about this five a.m. thing. So mm. they're the people who say, "Wake up at five, um, you know, you get a head start, you conquer the world if you wake up at five. Mm. But f- like the people who saying it might just be someone like you who's legitimately like. That's when I wake up. That's when I I'm wake not up, trying. Yeah. I just happen to wake up at that I, time. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really a. I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I, I just think that the, that being purposeful and playing into your own natural tendencies yeah. is like you can amplify whatever natural tendencies Dude. are there. You know, some people. I've got a colleague, um, Amy Johnson. She does most of her best work at like ten at night, man. Wow. Her brain yeah. just switches on yeah. then, and like it's like cool. Yeah, then and are you are you going to tell Amy to wake up at five? It's no, like, of course no. not. No yeah. ways. No ways. Yeah. Whereas for me, I am. I mean, one of my one of my greatest uh, downfalls is like, I can't go out for dinner past eight thirty, man. Like, mm. I'm I'm done. Like, I'm, my mind is switching off. It's like, yeah. So if we do dinners, my wife and I with friends and stuff, it's like we go for dinner at six. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> a little evening dinner is actually quite nice. Totally, That's the funny man. thing. Totally. Yeah. I would do it at five five thirty if I could. I promise you. <laughs> awesome. Um, but so wake up at five. Um, I have a fairly, uh, I mean, my morning ritual changes sometimes, but generally it's fairly consistent in that it involves meditation. I do quite a lot of breath work as well, um, which I'm finding to be incredibly powerful. Awesome. Um, I always exercise in the morning. It's just the time that I want to get out and go run in the mountain. I typically try to make sure that if I haven't been able to actually run the dogs in the mountain, that I will exercise and then walk the dogs. Cool. And ideally do that with my wife as well, which is, I mean, that's been one of the major changes from, um, from the previous days. It's just like really making sure that we, we're very purposeful and intentional about when we spend time together. Mm. And I'll, I'll, talk to you a little bit about that in a sec um i actually generally don't start work until 9 30 10 cool and i found that that space in the morning for me personally really works again for other colleagues like they actually want to get a lot of work done first thing in the morning and then they want to finish up early and like again remote work it's like and being outcomes based if you're producing the results, however you're doing it is your business, man. Like I really believe treat people like adults and they'll behave like adults. It's yeah. like we can treat them like irresponsible children. Like that's, that's how they're going to behave, man. And yeah. like, it's just, it's wonderful to see people just, just leveling up to the, to the way that you treat them. Um, so yeah, then I will get into the day. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good as I'd like to be about kind of like, these are my work blocks these are my email mm. blocks this is my like i know this i've read endlessly about this and tried lots of things and actually i just like kind of bumble between meetings emails thinking work like i kind of figure it out as i go yeah i know i could be better on that but, yeah. but it's to be honest it's working but again that i feel that again it's like that's just a, a personal thing yeah like if you've like you're a smart guy you know you're trying to be better you know you're trying to make make things as good as they can be mm. with your day with your life mm. and everything You've read about this. You've tried it. It hasn't worked. It's mm. like, maybe yeah. it's just not for you. Maybe that's fine. It's, but you, you tend towards, you try to tend towards like make it as good as it can be. But like, I kind of feel like, how can you just be in your flow? Yeah. And you're not totally. trying to restrict yourself totally. too much. And I think the other thing, and this is perhaps unique to, probably not unique to my psyche, but something that I've found with myself I'm very good at applying a lot of discipline in many areas of my life, but if it becomes too disciplined all the time across every sphere, then I have some weird part of my psyche which rebels. And yeah. It's just like, screw all this. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually find that like, whilst I can be quite um, dogmatic about certain areas, I purposely like to create a bit more 
laxy daisy kind of areas nice. and i just think that that balance for my mind at least is is super helpful mm. um but that'll i mean it then just kind of jumps between work that i'll do until kind of like five six o'clock ish um if i need to do work later than that i i, I can but I, I don't sleep very well if i work till late yeah i just my mind's too busy and it struggles to switch off um and again if i if i need to work very early i'll do it it's not like i'm like Mm. not going to work before 10. I mean, mm. it's like super late to start work. Um, and then if work needs to be done on a, on a weekend, like I'll do it on the weekend. Like I don't, I don't like. Because uh, your framework is a month. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So and I think cool. that it's a helpful level of analysis. Yeah. Sunday evenings. I do, I do like spending a good couple of hours, kind of like from three, four o'clock on a Sunday, I'll work till like seven ish. Okay. Just to like, just to set the week. Nice. Just to like get ahead of the week get ready, plan my own schedule. My wife and I do something which um, which I try to share as much as possible, which is that, um, so once I've done kind of the, the work stuff, we sit down before, um, in fact, just after dinner and we do our weekly planning, mm. which is we sit together and we put our respective calendars together. We've got one simple piece of paper and it's actually important for us that it's a piece of paper as opposed to digital. Nice. We write down what our respective commitments are in the week and then we start to allocate like, you know, household stuff. It's like, well, okay, so who's walking the dogs? For other people it might be who's dropping off the kids yes. this week and on what days? Where do we need to get some some help? And then really important questions like, well, where's the time for us? Mm. And let's actually schedule that in at the beginning of the week because if you leave that stuff to chance in your marriage or in your world outside of work, like entrepreneurship will just consume you, man. Mm. Now, you've got to put that shit in your diary. That's, that, right. that's yeah. the way it works. So... We will schedule that in like, okay, so we're going to walk together on like tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm going to go to gym and then we're going to walk the dogs together. And then we've got a date night on Thursday night. And mm. it's like, you, you got to get that stuff in. And then probably the most important question we ask as part of that is, what can I do to better love you this week? Wow. Bro, best question you can ever ask. Wow. It's so practical. Yeah. And like we think that in our personal relationships that – Somehow, if, you, if you're too methodical about it, it's going to lose its romance. It's going to lose that kind of spontaneous mm. veneer nonsense. Like, it's just, it, it's, setting a, it's setting a baseline of, um, of emotional fulfillment that on top of which you can build the kind of spontaneousness and so yeah. on. But the what foundation can I do? is there. Totally. But what can I do to better love you this week? And that will include things like, honestly, it's not all like... Um, airy fairy stuff it's like damn it rob like i keep asking you to wash the dishes after you finish with it like mm. this week i really want you to focus on actually like mm. washing dishes or picking up your clothes and putting them in the in the laundry yeah. basket from my side it's probably more typically like i'd like some more physical attention this week <laughs> <laughs> like, <you> know, like, <laughs> um but it can be very so very you, practical so you are literally you're asking the other person. It's yeah. a discussion oh it's a discussion okay and so it's not like what could you're not imagining by yourself what could i do better this no, week. no 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 you're, you're asking the other it. person what can i do to better love you this week wow. they're then saying what they want yeah you write it down on yeah. this piece of paper and this calendar we've got is literally like a um it's a eight it's a four by four um no i mean four by two um, got you, got kind you. of calendar structure so the seven days you plan your your individual days and then the last block you actually just write down these notes which is what can I do to better love you? I ask her, she tells me what I can do and I mm. write that shit down. Mm. Then she asks me and I tell her and we write that down. Mm. Then what's super helpful is you get to the next week, Sunday, and 
you're do, going through the same exercise, you actually have to ask yourself the question, how did I do this week? Yeah. And excuse yeah. me, you ask the other person, like, how did I do? Yeah. Like, and that's a really important opportunity for conversation, for, um, for honesty around that. And it means that you can start to avoid the niggles that are kind of said in passing, but no one's quite clear about it or accountable enough and so on. Right. It's like just setting the, that baseline, at least for yes. me, it's been a total revelation, man. It's such a simple mechanism and it works so flipping well. And also you guys know you're going to have that meeting. So you know totally. you're going to get this chance to chat openly. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, if if I'm about to throw my clothes near the washing basket as opposed <laughs> to in the washing basket, I'm like, Ooh, damn. Like oh, damn. We, yeah. we know we're going to talk about that on Sunday. I better do that. Yeah. And just, it's that level of accountability that honestly, as humans, we all need. Like yeah. we're just, we're just better when we're, when we're accountable. Definitely. Rob, you said you need to get going soon. Thank you so much for the chat. What a pleasure. Nice to chat, Jamie. It's been so awesome. Cool, Cheers. Man. Ciao. Thanks to everyone listening. Goodbye.